The Holy Spirit is a gift to the believer, a helper, a comforter, an advocate, and then some. But did you know that we can frustrate the Holy Spirit by our actions, our words, and we may not even be aware of it? In this series, Please, Please Grieve Not the Holy Spirit, we'll look into how this happens and, more importantly, what we can do to make sure it doesn't happen. Let's jump in. We're going to begin a study tonight that is going to push the envelope for us. As we open our hearts to receive the word shared, we will definitely be strengthened individually and collectively as a result. Fair enough? The title of this lesson is, Please, Please, Please Grieve Not the Holy Spirit. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 17. When you get there, let me know that you're there by telling me that you have it. That's 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. Do you have it? Okay, now I'm going to need you to talk back to me tonight, okay? I'll tell you why. I have a lot that I want to share, and I really would prefer to do it in one lesson opposed to two. So... I'm not going to try to rifle through this because I want you to see the word, but as soon as you get there, let me know that you have it, okay, so that I know I can, can move forward. Okay, is that fair? Yeah. Okay, very good. I appreciate that. All right, so the 16th verse starts. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified, and it says, All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I'm sure that most of you are very, very familiar with those particular verses of Scripture and perhaps many of the other Scriptures that we're going to read tonight. But please just keep your hearts and your minds open, and I promise you, you will see the purpose. Now turn with me to Genesis, the first chapter, and we're going to read verse 26. And I know you guys know this one. Okay. Do you have it? Okay. Praise God. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified again. Then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. As the scripture shows us, the Godhead is comprised of three distinct entities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, it's no wonder, when you really think about it, that we, since we're created in God's image and in his likeness, that we are tripart beings. 
We have a spirit, a soul, and we live in a body. Now, as discussed in previous lessons, quite a bit of time is spent talking about God, the Father, and Jesus, our Lord and personal Savior. While it seems that equal time is not always given to the person of the Holy Spirit, in order for us not to grieve him, we need to become more familiar with him. Ergo, why this lesson is being taught. We have established that the Godhead is comprised of the three entities. Each entity has their own personality and function. Let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter. And we're going to look at verses 26 through 27. So it's Romans 8, verses 26 through 27. Praise God. Okay, verse 26 in the Amplified says, In the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need at the right time and at the right time, intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. As you can see, the word Spirit is capitalized as it should be. Normally, whenever you look at Scripture, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, there's always a capital S. When it talks about your spirit or my spirit, it's a lowercase s. Now, if you really pay attention to the 27th verse that we just read, it indicates that the Holy Spirit has what? A mind. Because it says, the mind of the Spirit. So we know that the Holy Spirit has a mind. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Okay. Okay, this I'm going to read again out of the Amplified. Starting with verse 1, it says, Now about the spiritual gift, the special endowments given by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were let off after speechless idols. However, you were let off whether by impulse or habit. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the power and influence of the Spirit of God can say, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is my Lord, except by the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts. Please pay attention to this part. Special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it is the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. And there are distinctive varieties of ministries and service, but it is the same Lord who is served. 
and there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things, but it is the same God who produces all things in all believers, inspiring, energizing, and empowering them. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination, and the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak, the message of wisdom, and to another the power to express the word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Spirit. To another, wonder-working faith is given by the same Holy Spirit. And to another, the extraordinary gifts of healings by the one Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. And to another, prophecy, foretelling the future, speaking a new message from God to the people. And to another, discernment of spirits, the ability to distinguish sound, godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults. To another, various kinds of unknown tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. All these things, the gifts, the achievements, the abilities, the empowering, are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually just as he chooses. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ. Now I'm going to read the last two verses out of the easy-to-read version. And it says, one spirit, the same spirit, does all these things. The Spirit decides what to give each one. A person has only one body, but it has many parts. Yet, there are many parts, but all those parts are still one body. Christ is like that too. Now, why I wanted to spend time on that is because, maybe because in a lot of the classes that I'm doing lately, a lot of people have a lot of questions when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. You know, um... I get all kinds of questions like, okay, we speak in different languages. Are we going to understand those languages? Why is when they are born again, they can like instantly speak with other tongues, whereas other people, they don't. Why is it that some people are more fluent than other people? Why is it that some people can speak and then they get an interpretation? They can speak to a local body and then they get an interpretation. What about if I'm praying in tongues at home, but I want to have an interpretation of what I've just said? Can I do that? Now, in that particular instance, you can actually go to and jot this down because we're not going to go to it. Um, you can go to the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter and the 23rd verse. And what it basically is going to tell you when you get there is that all things are possible to them who believe. Okay, so the point is, yes, if you are believing for that and that's something that you want, then it is possible. But the key that I want to make known here, all of these giftings come from the one entity of the Holy Spirit. It is up to the Holy Spirit who and how these gifts are distributed. So it's not just cast in stone that it's going to be this way or that way. Even when we counsel here as counselors, we know the basic 
regular way in which to do things, the general way in which to do things, okay? The general population is, of course, you must be born again. Then you have to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we go with that. But just like I was sharing with, I think it was with Daughters of the King, you have to understand, when people come up here, I don't care who they are, to teach you, to minister to you, we are listening to what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do or to say. We are really like the Holy Spirit's mouthpiece, if you will. And he is not going to sit and say, okay, this is exactly only, I'm just going to teach just to Elder Mary tonight. I'm going to teach just to Jennifer. All of us are here. So therefore, he's going to teach to everyone. Now, if there's something that Jennifer's going to get out of it, or Shirley is going to get out of it, that some of us may not, that's up to the Holy Spirit to decide. But we cannot sit and teach a lesson just to one particular person. And sometimes I think people miss that. Because, you know, they're like, well, I don't understand this, I don't understand that. Understand, it's the Holy Spirit who chooses that. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He really is a real person. He is not some far-off entity that we just kind of forget about. He's very, very real, okay? And, and hopefully you're going to find out more of that as we continue on with this. So what I would like for you to do, what we just read lets us know unequivocally that the Holy Spirit has a will because he chooses, he decides. So we know he has a mind, we know he has a will. Turn with me to Isaiah the 63rd chapter, and the 10th verse. And while you're turning, I just want you to know that the book of Isaiah is sometimes called the fifth gospel because it's best known for its prophetic look of the old, it's the most prophetic book of the Old Testament, mainly because of his emphasis on the theme of salvation and his prophecies about the coming Messiah. So let's look at Isaiah 63.10. Do you have it? Okay. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. And it says, but they, they in this instance is the children of Israel. That's who they're talking about. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he changed into their enemy and he fought against them. The easy to read says pretty much the same thing. And they, the children of Israel, turned against him and made his Holy Spirit very sad. So the Lord became their enemy and fought against them. So this aspect tells us that the Holy Spirit can experience what? Grief. Now the definition of grief is, number one, a keen mental suffering or distress over affliction or loss, sharp sorrow, painful regret. Number two, a cause or occasion of keen distress or sorrow. In order to experience grief, you have to feel it. That lets us know that the Holy Spirit has emotions. Now it has occurred to me that many of us, we know the Holy Spirit exists and we appreciate the office. However, we do not always truly embrace him as a person. Just like I can look at you and I know you're a person. I don't think we always look at the entity of the Holy Spirit as an actual person. Now, 
Do we get to know him? You know, we, we need to develop a relationship with him, but we can't do that if we really don't know who he is and don't know that much about him. Would you agree with that? So we have established that the Holy Spirit is indeed the third person of the Godhead. He has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. What else do we know about him? Turn with me to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 24 through 26. Let me know when you have it. John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. Okay. Starting with verse 24, out of the Amplified, it says, One who does not really love me, now this is Jesus speaking, does not keep my words. And the word teaching which you hear is not mine, but it is the Father's who sent me. I have told you these things while I am still with you. But the helper, comfort, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you and remember everything that I have told you. So the Holy Spirit is clearly what? Our helper. Now, while you're right there in the book of John, turn with me to the 15th chapter. And we're going to look at the 26th verse. The 15th chapter, the 26th verse. Do you have it? Okay, remember your part now. You got to talk back to me. Okay. It says... And the Amplified, okay. But when the helper, and here we go again, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify and bear witness about me. So what did that do? It just confirmed the very same thing that we read. He obviously is our comforter, our helper, and all of those other things. Yet another quality of the Holy Spirit can be found in John's gospel. I'm just keeping you in John. It keeps it easy. <laughs> We're going to go to the 16th chapter. Another quality can be found in John 16, 8, but I want us to back up to the fifth verse. So we're going to look at John's gospel, the 16th chapter, verses 5 through 10. And this, again, is Jesus speaking to us, okay? Do you have it? Okay, y'all awake now. <laughs> okay, here we go. Verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me, and this is Jesus speaking, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and taken complete possession of them. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. Notice what it says, not something that's off on a shelf somewhere, but in close fellowship with you. 
end, he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message about righteousness, personal integrity and godly character because I am going to my father and you will no longer see me. Praise the Lord. Now, what I really, really want us to concentrate on in what we just read is verse 8. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read verse 8 to you out of the easy to read version, which says, of the world, how wrong they are about sin, about being right with God, and about judgment. So what is this letting us know? It's letting us know that another characteristic of the Holy Spirit is that he has a particular purpose. And that purpose is to awaken unsaved people. Now, this is very important. All of you who've been here for a while, you know how we all sit up and talk about the importance of the altar call. You all know how we sit up and tell, we've told everybody in Ministry of Helps that you need to be praying in softly in the spirit while the altar call is going on. Now, you know what? I don't even know if people know why we say that. I think you think we just say it because it's something nice to do and yeah, okay, it's nice, we're going to help, you know, we'll do that. No. The reason you do it is because it gives you the opportunity to work in concert, in cooperation with the spirit of the Most High God. You don't know everybody's story. So you don't know what's going on in the heart and mind of the person sitting next to you. And it doesn't matter whether they're a visitor or not. There are people who are here, who have been here for years, who don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. They do not speak with other tongues. So when they're given the opportunity and that invitation is provided for them at the altar call, guess what? If we are just halfway, you know, because it's easy. And I mean, I get it. So I, I really do. We get caught up in what I call rote behavior. Like they have rote memories, maybe rote's not the word, just automatic behavior, okay? So it's just automatic. Okay, so altar call, okay. Now I can take a quick nap. Oh, it's altar call, let me hurry up and get some mints because I gotta be ready to talk to people at the end of service. Oh, it's the altar call, okay, they, oh, that's gonna take a while. All of these things, understand, the enemy does that. The enemy can't touch you. He has no authority to do anything to you, but he can control you how? With thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And what I'm saying to you is we don't realize that we are grieving the Holy Spirit at that point. The Holy Spirit has a job to do, and we can work with him if we choose to, or we can be concerned about all those other little things that I mentioned, okay? So the altar call is critical. You know, sometimes, like I'll never forget, and this was a while ago. So this was a while, a while ago. But we had like 17 visitors. And I'm like, wow. Okay, the word went forth and not one person came forward. Now, it's not about a numbers game. I know that. But to think that we had at that time about 300 people, 17 visitors, not one person had a spiritual need. That's hard for me to believe, okay? Additionally, I looked around. I didn't see people praying in the spirit. I didn't see leaders praying in the spirit. I didn't see anybody praying in the spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? 
he's grieved. And I want you to think about it. If you're not welcome and you go somewhere, do you want to be there? Okay, so that's why we need to think about that. Okay, why would he want to be in our presence if we don't make him welcome and want to be here? So that's just something to think about. So while we're still in John, <laughs> I'm giving you the tour. Let's go to the 16th chapter, and we're going to look at the 13th verse. You're already in the 16th chapter, so just drop down a little bit to the 13th verse. I'm reading it out of the Amplified again. And it says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. This lets us know he is our guide who speaks the truth. He will never lead you wrong in any area. Business, marriage, health, finances, you name it, he is not going to lead you in the wrong direction. So singles, if you are believing for that perfect mate, seek the person of the Holy Spirit to guide you. Don't leave it up to your finite wisdom and knowledge. Tap into his infinite wisdom and knowledge. We just read he'll tell you the truth. Because let's face it, sometimes, especially if you're a lady, well, I mean, guys go through this too, but I'm a lady, so I can speak to ladies, okay? We see these people, and I'm telling you, they look like the most wonderful princes, and when it's really said and done, they're a fraud. So we need to have the Holy Spirit point that out ahead of time so that we don't go marry the frog, okay, when we're looking for the prince, okay? So it's very, very important. We can trust him. Now, however... Don't allow your trust in him, now this is good, to be measured by your trust in other relationships. In other words, he is a person with specific characteristics. Do not bring him down to the level of other relationships you may have had as a measuring stick. Exercise your faith and be confident that he still is in the Godhead. In other words, he is God. Amen. So I want you to think about this for a moment. When you first get married, how many married people do we have here? Or people been married or whatever? Really? Okay. Well, praise the Lord. Y'all gonna act like you were. Just imagine it, okay? <laughs> okay. When you first get married, you, you appreciate the person. I mean, obviously, that's why you married him in the first place. After a while of living with them, and developing a deep relationship with them, you start to think in terms of we instead of I. Initially, you enter into the marriage with your own needs front and center. For some couples, at times, it's like tug of war because they're trying to get their point across and that's all that they see. But over time, you start to truly Love that person. Now, I learned from Dr. Betty years ago, and I love this, and I share it with all young people that I know. 
When you first meet a person and you're courting them and you go to the altar and you get married, you're really just attracted to them and infatuated with them. You don't truly love them until you get to live with them, until you get to know them, until you wake up in the morning and they don't look like the representative that you saw when you were dating, okay? You know, when the hair comes off and the funky breath shows up, it's like, this isn't how it was in the movies. Okay, well, so when you endure all those kinds of things, plus some more, that's when you truly get to a point of loving the person, okay? So, <laughs> funny. But <laughs> when you do that and you start to love them, you notice that your thinking changes. You start to think, think in terms of what does your spouse want more than what you even want for yourself. You get to the point where if that person is upset about something, it bothers you too. If they've had a challenging day and they come home and you know they're venting to you about the day and what went on and all the rest of that, you know, you really, you comfort them, but it troubles you too. You know, you start getting annoyed with whatever happened with, you know, at work and you might not even know the people, but it grieves your spirit because you love them just that much. Now think about if you have a relative or a close friend who's growing through something and they're hurting during the process. Most often your initial response is that you want to fix it right away for them because you don't want that challenge. You don't want them to have to go through the challenge. And it grieves your spirit too. And that's the real you, your spirit. It bothers you. Now I'll be honest. <laughs> Here's another one of my little funny stories. When I was first born again, it was within the first year of being born again, actually. And spirit filled. I remember during praise and worship at the Faith Dome. Now, this is something, right? And I was standing next to a seasoned believer. And she was talking to the Holy Spirit and praising him for helping her. And I have to admit, I didn't get it at all. I really didn't get it. Um, you know, I... I knew that it was a good thing because she was doing it and it happened to be somebody that I admired and I respected, so I knew that it was right in line with the word. But me being my authentic self in the natural, I thought it was like a little crazy, okay? Because I just, I didn't, I did not understand, appreciate, or know the person of the Holy Spirit. And I submit to you, I'm not the only one. I think there are other people who could feel the same way, but that's why we're here, okay? Holy Spirit, the same way that we cultivate our relationship with our Heavenly Father and Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We should not show love and appreciation to one person in the Godhead and just forget about another. Would you consider putting God on the back burner or Jesus? No, right? Okay, y'all are supposed to talk to me. Okay. <laughs> it seems the church, though, at large, at large, has not been taught to cultivate their relationship with the person of the Godhead who was sent to be our comforter, helper, and guide. Obviously, the God of this world, Satan, wants to keep it that way. Now, the enemy has a very good reason for this, and I'm about to tell you why. So really listen to this. God accomplishes nothing 
in this earth realm except through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit operates through the body of Christ, the church. The body of Christ without the Holy Spirit is just like a corpse where the spirit and soul have left the physical body, also known as physical death. Just like a person's spirit and soul animate their physical bodies, allowing them to function, move, talk, breathe, etc., the Holy Spirit animates the body of Christ and empowers it to do the will of the Most High God. We need to do more than just know the Holy Spirit exists. We need to develop a strong relationship with him and cooperate with him so that we can do God's will with excellence, bringing honor and glory to his kingdom. With that being said, we always want the Holy Spirit present in our local congregation. Think about it. If we do not invite his presence, if we grieve him, we are essentially doing the same thing to God our Father and Jesus our Lord and Savior. Some of you may wonder if it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, I'm saying it, but it's like, yeah, okay, you're saying it. Turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at the 30th verse. Ephesians 4. Okay, thank you. And the 30th verse in the Amplified says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him, by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. In the New Living Translation, that same verse of scripture says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Also, let's just look at 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, and the 19th verse. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Reading it out of the Amplified, <laughs> it says, Do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Easy to read says, Don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I like the easy to read because it's really breaking it down. Because quench, when you think about it, if you want to quench something, you want to get rid of it. If you want to quench your thirst, you go drink water. You want to stop being thirsty. So we never want to quench the Holy Spirit because we're stopping him from functioning or grieving him for sure. Okay? So what are some of the ways that we might grieve the Holy Spirit since we now know we can do that? So I just jotted down a few that I thought might be of interest. The first one is when we choose not to be obedient to the instructions of God. Now, just think about it. Are you happy if you have children and they're disobedient? 
No, it grieves your spirit, correct? So if we're not going to follow the word of God, it may be grieving. One of our instructions is to love one another. Yet, we still have many challenges in that area. Jesus commanded us to do this. Love one another. I want you to think about this, because this is what I thought about as I was preparing for this. As they pierced the side of Jesus when he was on the cross, and they beat him to a pulp just for you, do you think that maybe he considered that some of us would have a challenge with working together? Do you really think that? He went through all that he went through. But yet, we have a hard time being able to greet each other when we see each other. Or have a hard time listening to the ushers when they ask us to sit a certain place. Or we have a real hard, challenging time with, well, that person got on my nerves, so I'm just going to duck her and go the other way. Really? Okay, really. It's just something to think about. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it might grieve his spirit a little. How do you think God must feel when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us to live an abundant life, and then we do not. Blood poured out of the hands of Jesus so that our need would be met. Yet many of us still don't have our bills paid. On top of that, we put the Holy Spirit on the back burner by not developing our relationship with him, our helper, comforter, and guide, do you think that just maybe he might be grieved when it comes to that? You know, we can do other things. We can look at TV. We can entertain ourselves. We can go to plays because we're in New York. All of that's wonderful. We don't have time to really talk and, and deal with the Holy Spirit or talk to him. We don't have time for that. Another area could be our tithes and offerings. God does not need our chump change. I mean, when you really think about it, he created the universe. Our billions or millions, or if we don't even have that yet, do you really think it matters to him? It's totally insignificant. He has designed seed, time, and harvest to get something to us, not to take something from us. The whole, he, he's more interested in our heart. That's the key. That's the whole reason why the widow's might was a big deal in scripture. It was because of her heart, that association with what she gave. And that's what is key to him, not the rest of it. Okay, so please get that straight. Now turn with me to Acts, the 10th chapter. And we're going to look at the 34th verse. Acts 10, 34. And I'm sure many of you even know this particular verse of scripture too. And this I'm actually going to read out of the King James Version. The King James, not even the New King James. I'm really reaching back. <laughs> but I like what it says. So are you there yet? Okay. The King James Version says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Now, the easy-to-read version says it this way. Peter began to speak, I really understand now that God does not consider some people to be better 
than others. Now, let's go back to Job, the 34th chapter, because I want to look at that really quick. Job 34, 19. And I'm actually going to read that out of the King James Version, too. I know, that's really going back. <laughs> Job 34, 19. Do you have it? Okay, wonderful. And it says, How much less to him that accepteth not the persons of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they all are the work of his hands. And the easy to read version says, He does not respect leaders more than other people. And he does not respect the rich more. Now, both of these scriptures remind us that God is no respecter of persons. Those of us in the body of Christ are the sum of many parts. Eyes are important to the body, but so are eyelashes. They may seem insignificant, but you let one get stuck in your eye that you can't get out. Then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, they can become very significant, right? Or you stub your little toe <laughs> and tell me, oh my goodness, it becomes very, very important to you, right? We all have different roles, but that, quite frankly, is it. Just like your salvation cannot be earned or bought, like it tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, so you can jot that down if you want to, we're not going to go to it. Neither can your role elevate you to some special level. Pastor, teacher, elder, deacon, deaconess, and whatever else you want to come up with, okay? <laughs> they all are titles. That's wonderful. They all have a role to play and the responsibility associated with that role. However... They're, they are no more important or special than the person doing various paperwork, filling the candy dish over there, cleaning the office for us, okay, watering plants if we have them, <laughs> or anything else, okay? I mean, that's always gotten to me. So to think otherwise is to make oneself think more highly of themselves than they ought. And actually, it really is a practice of being delusional. Now, why do I say that? <laughs> because as we just read, God is no respecter of persons. So when we forget this, again, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, here's another little analogy. If your child is grown up now. You know, say you have a child, they're grown up. Many of us are of the age where we might have some children that are grown. And they're out on their own, so to speak. And they hit a rough patch. You know, and you see them and they're physically hungry. Would you share what you have and feed them? Okay. Would it bother you and grieve your spirit to see them in that condition? Now, what if you're a child refused your help, would not accept any food from you, and they continued to decline physically 
as you watch them starving, how would you feel? Would your spirit be grieved? Well, God sees us, his children, and he has provided everything that we will ever need. But many of us get too busy to open up his word, his love letter and book of instructions to us, resulting in us being deficient in areas of our lives, whether it's physically, financially, emotionally, or spiritually. Do you think he might be grieved? When the Holy Spirit is welcomed into our congregation, he's allowed to direct us. Now I'm really going to push the envelope on this. And at one point I was like, eh, I'm not going to say this. But you know what? It's not my fault. Blame it on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> when we sit back and we wonder why we have grown through <clears throat> all the things we've grown through these past few years, and we just can't figure out why do we keep you know, why is there a repetition? Why are we going from one thing to another? Why do we seem like we're always back at square one? And for, I'm not speaking in parables. For those of you who know the deal, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, why does it seem like it keeps happening over and over and over and over? I submit to you that I think part of it is that we have grieved the Holy Spirit. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, he will go somewhere else. You know, think about, has anyone ever, because I know you all are in the city, so it's different than in the country and all that, but imagine a butterfly, a beautiful butterfly that goes and it sits on a delicate flower. And you know how you just really want to get up close, like you'd like to take a picture because it's just so pretty, but you've got to be so Oh, careful, because if you're not and you just move the bush near the flower, the thing just flies away, okay? Well, we know that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, but I want you to think of the fact that his presence is something that we need to revere. We need to appreciate. We need to want him <clears throat> to be in our presence to such a point that we have to make sure we don't grieve him. Because when we grieve him, it's like pushing that bush or moving that bush to make him go away. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, with that being said, when the Holy Spirit is welcomed into our congregation, he is allowed to direct us to show us exactly what we are to do. He has plans for us, CCC New York. He has plans for us corporately as well as individually. We want and we need his presence as our helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. He will show us everything that we need to do to build his kingdom and to be successful in every single area of our lives. Now I trust that this lesson has offered you another way to look at, greet, and treat the person of the Holy Spirit.
May you cultivate your relationship with him. Open your heart to offer a standing invitation for his presence. And may you always choose to please, please, please grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Thanks for listening. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening, and remember, walk by faith, not by sight.